We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. This is the recently engaged Tyler here, and I'd like to tell you how you can end up with someone way out of your league. See, some would look at me and call me Megamind or the thumb from Spy Kids or Chicken Little, and they'd be right. But what do I have going for me? It's the performance of my package. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped, that is. Inside, you'll find the upgraded Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, Boxer Briefs, and a Shed Travel Bag. And if you couldn't figure out what those were from the description, I'd be happy to draw you pictures. Get the package to take care of the lackage in your package in the sackage by using our code GUILTY at checkout for 20% off your next order. You won't regret it. Hello, good morning, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty Charge podcast. Hope you got some coffee in you or some kind of energy drink or whatever floats your boat. Uh, it obviously is early in the morning, but we felt like this was you know, the best time that worked for us to do the stream and, and you know take some comments and, and talk about what happened last night. Uh, as you can see, it was apparently the worst game that Alex has ever seen and a big snooze fest from Tyler. So we'll talk about some takeaways from the game, uh, focus on some of the players who are not necessarily on the roster bubble, Give some love to some players who really played well. Uh, then we'll also talk about our final 53-man roster predictions. Um, Alex has an article coming out for Bolt Beat. I have an article coming out for LAFB. And Tyler has a, an article coming out on our blog site. So you'll get to hear us talk about it. And then hopefully you will all read uh, our thoughts about it as well. That being said, have to give a shout out to our partners, Manscaped, Blue Wire Podcast, Play Busser, and of course the Backroom Collection. The Backroom Collection is new. Uh, they focus on you know NFL prints, NBA prints. So go check them out. Use the code GAC on their website for a ten percent discount. All right, guys, Alex, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. So ten p.m. games are the bane of my existence, whether it's <laughs> NFL or NBA. So I was like, holy shit, and uh, yeah, I. I kind of wish I went to bed and then woke up and watched it in the morning. Maybe I would have felt better and been like, oh, Forrest Merrill did that one thing well. But like that game was just brutal to watch. Um, me <laughs> me and Tyler, I think, exactly stopped watching at the same time. And we were just <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, so, yeah, that was just 
tough to watch. Um, yeah. But again, like, you know, it, you know, a lot of people were overreacting like, oh, this is a sign of bad coaching and all that. Like, yeah, no, it, it wasn't necessarily the most well-coached game, a lot of penalties, but pretty much half of the guys that were playing yesterday aren't going to be on the team by Tuesday. So like, you know, I, I think yeah. it's hard to really um, get a good feel for where the team is in that standpoint. And that's maybe why I would have liked to seen some of the, you know, high end starters play, but I definitely get Staley's conservative approach um, there, but so hard game to watch. Uh, happy the preseason's over and I wish I drank alcohol last night. <laughs> Yeah, I had to drink some coffee instead. So uh, there was one comment from Dan Fouts that I actually did agree with, and that he was like, it's preseason for the officials too. And it really is. Like, there were so many bad calls. Like, Rashad Penny's uh, blindside block was ridiculous. Yeah. The dude was just, like, chilling there for 10 minutes and then barely touched, I think it was Jesse Lemonier. And so, you know, unfortunately, that's just the state of the preseason. Unless your name is Tyler Huntley, you know, you're probably going to suck and, and have a lot of penalties. Shout out to my guy. You can't uh, just <laughs> do a podcast without shilling for your Utah people. No, I, I can't. I, I cannot. Um, Tyler Shun, how you doing, man? Man, last night it was awful, and just to feel something, I turned on Marley and me just to like <laughs> oh find an emotion. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But I mean, it, it was the point where we get a CBS shout out again, and I, my pulse doesn't change, and I'm just like. Eh, like whatever thanks jerry whatever move on like it was so boring <laughs> and so tough to watch at some point my fiance is like can we get chocolate i'm like fuck it let's do it and i just we went to 7-eleven grabbed some kit kats and some ice cream and, and that was that so um not bummed i missed part of that fourth quarter uh it was, a, it was brutal but i can't wait to watch finally the regular season is here and i'll be there at their home opener and i can't wait to see it but right now it's just it was it was bad last night that's one of the most boring games at least the Patriots game was kind of funny at some point. Like it was so bad, it ended up being kind of entertaining. Last night was just bad, and I, I had I had no joy watching that at all. Yeah, it was funny for me because I was out at dinner with uh, with my wife, and we that we went to a restaurant, and it was just like really really busy for some for whatever reason. Um, and so I texted uh, Tyler and Alex, and I was like, "Hey, can one of you guys handle the live tweeting? Like, I, I'm not going to be able to start right on time." And then like. Right as we like finished eating, you know, it was probably like 7.35, 7.40. And Alex and Tyler were both like messaging me like, this is terrible. Like, this is so hard to watch. And I'm like, cool. I get to go home and watch this. Yeah, Steven gets to do the thing where like Trey Pipkins has a bad rep. And he's like, no, babe, you got to re rewind it and see what he did bad here. I didn't do that last night. I, I did it a couple of times. Like there was a specific play that like uh, Steven Anderson had. And yeah. he got up and I was like flexing and I was like, oh, I want to rewatch what he did. And then, you know, there were a couple of times where I like rewatched the offensive line. But mm -hmm. for the most part, I was just like, all right, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So we'll talk about all of those things. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you just now are joining us, um, you're right on time because we're just a barely about to talk about the recap. Um, I specifically want to talk about some players that did actually play well. I know that, like Alex said, there was a lot of negativity last night. Mm -hmm. um i saw some people saying that like you know brandon staley should fire somebody and like everybody <laughs> needs to be cut of course and you know certainly there are some players that do need to be cut like trey pipkins um but let's talk about some players that stood out positively and i'll start us off by talking about chris rumpf chris rumpf is somebody mm -hmm. that of course if you've been listening to the show 
you know that none of us were really like huge fans of the pick, but Rumpf has really impressed me and, and I have really come around on him being a playmaker. Um, he had a couple run stops last night. Uh, there was one specifically where he really showed off some nice quickness, cut through a couple of blockers, um, and then had a tackle for loss. And then his quarterback hit that he had, I tweeted the video if you haven't seen it, but that long arm and understanding of leverage is just not something that I saw on his film at Duke. So to me, that shows that A, he's learning from Joey Bosa, and B, that he's actually progressing and developing at a very high rate. And so I was very critical of the Chris Rump selection, but I'm coming around. I think he is going to be a player who contributes this year. You know, uh, Brandon Staley has talked about his ability on special teams. I don't think he's necessarily going to be like a starter, but he's going to be fine this season. And the next year, I think he'll be able to kind of take that sophomore leap. Um, and the Chargers will need it because there's so much uncertainty right now at the, the edge position, at, at least long-term. So Chris Rump was very impressive yeah. to me last night. Mm -hmm. um, and I am fully on board at this point with uh, that selection. I was, you know, obviously both you and I were pretty equally skeptical about him, but you know, my guess was that he was going to be a better pro than a college prospect, honestly, but yeah. for him to go out and what we found out was eventually him work with Khalil Mack and then every day work with Joey Bosa. Yeah. And then you have Brandon's daily as your coach. It really doesn't get better than that. And so, you know, the Chargers going for guys with traits like a Nick Neiman, for example, as well, guys with traits and some motor as well, you know, and they're developing rump so well. I can't wait to see him against some starting caliber players because I know right. like I wish I saw him more in that rotation, like instead of in Mosu and Fackerel, I would have loved to see him rump out there against the you know first team Niners or whatever, you know, against some of these guys. So I, I can't wait to watch him. And yeah, good call. I that long arm like he pointed out which I missed the first time. Don't think I saw that once in college. I don't think no. I think it is mostly just as kind of a speed guy, dip and rip sort of guy, maybe um, and beat you kind of with effort and motor and just being more athletic. But that long arm, I had not seen that. That was really beautiful. Um, so it really just shows how far he's come. So yeah, good call there for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Rumpf played well. I thought Nick Neiman, Tyler's guy, played pretty okay. Uh, had a couple of missed yeah. tackles here and there, but overall yeah. did get that sack. <laughs> it's the preseason. Um, so, you know, I thought he did pretty well. Um, as far as trying to find other positives that haven't been mentioned, I like the receivers. I like what Josh Palmer did last night. He had that nice second effort catch, um, you know, that got the first down. Uh, mm -hmm. Tyron Johnson played pretty well. Uh, really, all three wide receivers that played last night were good. <laughs> uh, including <laughs> my, Michael Bandy had a few moments here and he there. Did. Don't, don't he think did. he's going to make a roster, but he had a nice connection with uh, Easton Stick for a first down. Um, so overall, you know, you know, it was just really hard to get any momentum going on offense. But Larry Roundtree had that one 15-yard run that I thought was nice. Um, I think he's shown an ability throughout the preseason with the Rams game and a little bit of the Niners game to just – kind of get off the edge a little bit quicker, um, maybe more so than like a Joshua Kelly. Um, but so I thought Roundtree was all right. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really kind of reaching here. Forrest Merrill had a good <laughs> tackle. I, I don't know if he was really good throughout the whole game because the run defense mm -hmm. got absolutely gashed, um, you know, by Alex Collins, uh, new charger killer. But uh, it was just so weird. Yeah. It's tough to watch, but those were kind of my standouts if I had any. Um, mm -hmm. So there were some positives, I think, when you look at Neiman Rumpf and some of the offensive skill players. But 
overall yeah. doesn't uh, doesn't equate to how ugly that game was to watch. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. Nick Neiman is interesting. When I first thought of him as one of the training camp superstar, you know, standouts that could potentially happen, projecting him that way, you know, I I included at the end that I would I was preparing, I guess, everyone to watch him be blitzed often used as a blitzer but that was more based on like athletic potential and i really wasn't sure if staley really was going to do that i was just trying to call it because i saw him do it a couple times in game and he does have the speed for it so to watch not just neiman blitz but also i i didn't check the whole stats including the third game because it just dropped on pro football focus but i believe the linebackers in the first two games blitzed near 16 times which, I mean, did they blitz 15 or 16 times last year in 16 <laughs> games? Yeah. I don't think so. So watching, you know, these guys different do that and then, you know, show pressure with Christensen and then blitz with Neiman on one play or in that same play was really cool. So, yeah, Neiman for sure is, is a standout. I think one of the preseason MVPs for sure. And then Tyron Johnson, you know, according to Dan Fouts, roster bubble potential cut candidate, which I thought was absurd. And we, we can talk about the broadcast, but the broadcast was was awful last night. It was probably <laughs> my least favorite broadcast overall of any game that I've watched, and it was it was dreadful. But Tyron Johnson finally not being targeted on these stupid screenplays opened so much up for the offense. The offense was finally moving a little bit because Tyron Johnson was asked to do things you know down the field like he's good at instead of the Austin Pearl role, which I, I, I didn't get from the first two games. And of course, yeah. you let him do his thing, and he does his thing. And he's wide open on one play where Stick missed him. Another play, he was wide open, but Daniel got his arm hit. And he probably would have had 100 yards in a preseason game. And it would be, you know, back in that wide receiver three conversation. So, you know, glad to see him come around. He's not on the roster bubble. That was a horrible, stupid comment. Um, but yeah, good for him. Good for Neiman. But otherwise, it was just kind of ugly all around. The Tyron Johnson comment, like, I, I had, like, multiple people, like, is this true? Like, is he on the bubble? I would be, like pretty shocked if Tyron Johnson were cut yeah. on Tuesday because like we've heard all camp that like, Oh, this receiver group is the deepest that Staley's ever seen. And that Daniel's ever seen it. And Lombardi's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Tyron Johnson is a big part of that. Like Tyron yeah. Johnson is absolutely somebody that should have a role. I, I think, you know, it's probably not going to be as big as some of us hoped, especially after like the first week of, of practices. But he's going to have a role and he's going like his speed is too valuable, you know, especially oh, yeah. when, you know, two of your top three receivers are Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer, who are more of your, you know, over the middle route runners, create separation kind of players like you need players to take the top off of the defense. And you can't just have one Jalen Guyton like you need multiple mm-hmm. speedsters to take the top off. And so Tyron Johnson's speed is too valuable. And I thought he played well. That kind of game for a receiver like him has to be demoralizing. Like you're just oh, running yeah. down the field consistently. A, there's no depth behind you. So you're getting like basically <laughs> no breaks. Yeah. And B, like your offense is not pushing the ball down the field. And so Tyron Johnson is like consistently being asked to sprint down the field as fast as he can, mm. sprint back to the huddle and never get the ball deep. Like he had some really good intermediate routes that I was a big fan of. But that kind of game has to be demoralizing for someone like him. Sure. Um, so I saw like, obviously there's been some frustration about the offensive line and and I totally get that Trey Pipkins was awful last night. Even Brooke was like three or four times like, man, that 79 guy is really, really bad. (laughs) And that's how, you know, it's bad. Like, I I, I think Brooke does, 
I think she knows more than, than the traditional, you know, person who doesn't really pay attention to football knows. Um, mm-hmm. But like the fact that she can point out the left tackle and be like, he sucks. Like that's, that's pretty bad. So I thought Storm Norton yeah. played okay. Again, I, I would have to go back and watch the film, which I'm going to do later today. Um, I saw some good Bless things from, I know, I know. Um, but I saw some good things from Ryan Hunter again. I, I really believe that he should make the roster. Um, and then I, I think the biggest thing in terms of like the offensive line, everybody kind of jumped on their back about that touchdown that my guys, Cody Barton and Marquise Blair forced. Like, I can't even be mad about that in the preseason. Uh, former Utah guys again, Alex. Um, <laughs> but it, it wasn't the offensive line's fault. Like Staley mentioned that too. And it was a miscommunication between Daniel and Joshua Kelly. And, you know, I, I think if you go back and rewatch that play, Brandon Hymas clearly goes directly to the safety Marquis Blair because he, he thought somebody was going to be taking the linebacker. Like that's, that's what he was either instructed to do. That's what his instincts told him to do. And so to me, that play was about Chase Daniel and Joshua Kelly and not the offensive line. I know it obviously doesn't look pretty, but generally speaking, when there's a free rusher like that, it's almost always on the quarterback, in my opinion. Do you want to guess who the second highest pass blocker is on Pro Football Focus from last night's game is? Nope. It's Trey Pipkins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Sorry, I'm just looking this up now, and I wanted to point that out. Oh, my gosh. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> there's like i i don't okay. understand like what they're looking for like i just i don't get it like i think the pressures and the qb hits and all that stuff i think they you know those are very valuable but like when they grade an offensive lineman i'm just like i don't get it i don't understand what they're looking for yeah hymas gave up one pressure and has a grade of 47.9 trey pipkins gave up a sack, obviously, and has a grade of seventy-one point one. So, well, th- so that's the thing. Like, because when I when I first saw that Jaime's uh, Daniel miscommunication, I thought it was on Jaime's. Then I'm gonna look back at it. That's you know the you know bad part about watching live is you can't rewind and be like, hey, this happened. But um, so that was on me for putting that on the Twitter. Uh, but so yeah, I, I, does Pro Football Focus count that as a, a pressure that was on Jaime's? Or like a sack, I guess that was on Hymas. I don't know. Oh, good question. I mean, obviously, don't know which one they're referring mm. to. I don't recall if there was another one, another hit okay. that he allowed, or another hurry. So yeah. I, I don't think so because that would be considered a hit, right? Probably. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that play was on Daniel, but the offensive line just all night is definitely a negative from that game. Um, sure. I think that you know, I wrote this in my 53 man roster prediction that'll be coming out, but I think Trey Pipkins has fully seated the swing tackle to storm Norton. Um, I don't think Trey Pipkins will be cut uh, just because they have to keep nine offensive linemen. We'll, you know, talk about roster predictions a little bit later in the show. Um, But yeah, not, not a fun night uh, for the offensive line in general. And and the biggest thing was they really couldn't get anything going in the run game. um, Other than that, like one Larry Roundtree run, where, you know, he kind of pushed past, it was just really tough to watch. So, you know, again, it's not something that I'm really worried about, right? Um, You know, the one concerning thing is if Balaga has to come out and Pipkins or uh, Norton is on the field, that's problematic. (laughs) No matter what way you slice it, 
you know, playing probably next to Ibushi and then Lindsley, you know, having those three, I think, next to each other. You know, Ibushi has been okay, but not really, like, super proven on this offensive line. Hasn't played a lot. Um, yeah. So that, that'll that kind of be interesting to watch. But you really just have to hope that Brian Malaga stays healthy or maybe they make some trade to the Eagles for Andre Dillard or somebody that's available free agency. Um, but at this point, I, I think the nine offensive linemen they're going with are the nine offensive linemen they have on the roster, which is really concerning for the right tackle spot. So just fingers crossed with Brian Balaga. Yeah, I think that's unfortunately been kind of been the plan all along is just like trust your trust what you're doing in sports performance and hope that, you know, Brian Balaga is able to stay on the field because I, I think. You know, obviously, if the other players are all healthy, right? But I think in a vacuum, like, you can withstand, you know, a game or two of, you know, Matt Filer at yeah. right tackle or Storm Norton mm-hmm. at right tackle. The problem is going to come if Bulaga is, like, in and out the way that he was. Like, that was the biggest yeah. thing last year was that, like, well, he's playing against Buffalo and then he has food poisoning or, like, he, you know, <laughs> played, like, four snaps against Carolina and then had to, you know, Pipkins had to go in. And so... Yeah, that's the biggest thing is like as an offensive line, as a player in general at any position, it's so hard to not get first team reps and then be thrust into a game, you know, into the first quarter where you have to play with the first team. And so that that's kind of where I do sympathize last year in the situation. But Bulaga has to stay healthy and that's always going to be. I think overall, the offensive line is obviously going to be improved from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but how much they improve really kind of hinges on Brian Bulaga's health. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Luckily, the three starters, projected starters, have not a lot of pressure at all this preseason, so that's great. Yeah, and I think that's important to point out. Like, we haven't seen the starting five play a single snap yet, and, you know, we obviously saw the first game again with Rashawn Slater, the second game with Matt Filer and Ibushi, but we haven't seen the starting five play yet together. And that was the mission. Like the starting five offensive linemen are healthy, knock on wood. They are healthy heading into week one. And and that was the mission. And so this is, you know, even if we kind of disagree with the method, like this is a huge victory for Brandon Staley and, and his staff. Like they True. are getting the team healthy to week one. And again, knock on wood, but I personally cannot remember a time where the Chargers are heading into week one with like basically no major injuries, like outside of Ryan Smith, like, that that's pretty much it. Like everybody Still else, two more is, weeks to go. I know that, but there's there's no more games. Like <laughs> right, practice. there's no games. There's no scrimmages. Like it's going to be some walkthroughs this week, according to Staley, and then next week they'll kind of, you know, really kind of dive into some game prep. But you know, that's a huge victory in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. it really is. No, we've been waiting since 2018 to see Derwin James and Joey Bosa on the field in Week One, and I mean, like we kept missing it every year for whatever reason. Yeah, and so. Finally, for the first time, the fourth year, we get Derwin James and Joey Bosa together. Finally. I can't wait. I know. I'm not going to believe it until they are both on the field (laughs) against Washington because we know what could happen with this team. Uh, But, yeah, no, look, I think health was the goal uh, coming into, you know, this preseason. I think Brandon Staley made that clear with his approach and and the guys he chose to sat. You know, and this also goes to – the decline in performance from game to game at the team, right? Like not that everybody played against the Rams, right? Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler and those guys didn't play. 
Um, but you had fewer and fewer starters play every preseason game, right? That was the trend, right? You had three wide receivers play yesterday. Um, you know, you didn't have Obushi play yesterday. You didn't have Filer play yesterday. Uh, you know, you can really go throughout the entire roster and, and sort of pick uh, all the guys that didn't play. So that's... Uh, that's just really tough. Um, but that was the approach, right? So like, yeah, they looked bad yesterday, but it, I feel like that was almost by design just because they were, you know, sort of supposed to look that way with all the starters uh, they were sitting. So I can't say I was terribly surprised by it, but for all the people that were kind of like freaking out and wanting to fire coaches already on Twitter, um, that was mainly my response is if you actually look game by game and, you know, who was in at what point, like the most starters they played was the Rams game. And it went pretty much down from there uh, just based on who they thought they needed to see in the preseason and who they thought they had seen enough from. Yeah. I think the only players last night that are like starting or playing like, you know, a lot of snaps were Asante Samuel Jr. And Josh Palmer. Like that was pretty much it. Everybody Mm -hmm. else was second and third strings. Like I think even Christian Covington played like the first drive and that was it. You know, it it was all the backups. It was all the undrafted free agents. It was all, you know, all that kind of crew. And so, uh, unfortunately, like, we had to sit there and watch that. But um, I don't really have, like, a major takeaway in terms of, like, this team's future um, besides that. All right, let's talk about the quarterback situation. I think Tom Telesco, unfortunately, threw a wrench in (laughs) a lot of our plans last night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I'm just going to get this out there like I personally just I can't agree with keeping three quarterbacks on this roster you know Daniel Popper kind of tweeted this out too like he he had 54 players listed and he, like he couldn't decide how to get to 53 you know of course we'll wait and see what his prediction is but I was going through the same thing last night mm-hmm. you know I heading into the you know preseason finale I assumed you had like the last two spots for like a crowd of like six players and that's because I wasn't including a third quarterback. And so Telesco goes on air and says, yeah, we're likely keeping all three. Like you need those players. And I, I, I just don't, I, I don't agree with that assessment. And, and Brandon Staley too was like, after the game was like, yeah, I could see a situation where we do keep all three. So um, that's, that's the easiest prediction right now. Unfortunately for the roster is like all three quarterbacks are making it. Um, but Alex and Tyler, Alex, we'll start with you. What do you make of, of Telesco, Telesco's comments about that? Um, I wouldn't take it as a certainty just because Telesco has said things and then done things differently in the past. Right. So keeping all three quarterbacks mean, Hey, we're going to keep two of them on the roster and one of them on the practice squad. It could mean that. Um, but they've done this for the last two years. Um, the, the one reason that I thought it could have been different this year is because you have your starting quarterback established for at the very least the next four or five years, um, with Justin Herbert versus if you look at when they drafted stick, right. That was the final year of Philip Rivers contract. Um, and so nobody knew how that was going to play out. Plus you have Tyrod and, you know, Justin, you know, the year after. Uh, so that was kind of the reason for keeping all three, um, for me, I, like, I just don't see the purpose either way, right? Whether you're a stick person, you're a Daniel person, I don't give a shit. They both suck ass. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're, you're a supporter of either one, just keep one, right? Like, to me, yeah. if you think Daniel is better than stick at this point because of mentoring Herbert and because of all that stuff and his relationship with the coaching staff, then keep him as your veteran quarterback. If you think stick has surpassed Daniel at this point, then just keep stick as your QB too. Like, th- to me, that's that's really the answer. Like, 
keeping all three of them is just a waste of a roster spot. And, you know, I obviously am writing my, uh, I already wrote my uh, bolt beat 53 man roster prediction that'll be out later. But, you know, I was like, Hey, I, I had Fahoko making the roster and now I don't have Fahoko making the roster. Or I had Ogbong Bamiga, but now I don't. Right. Like, that's just the problem, um, I think, with keeping three quarterbacks. I'd rather use that spot somewhere else um, rather than, say, you know, a stick who might be inactive or a Daniel who might be inactive, right, for, you know, a specific week. It, it's just a waste of a roster spot to me. Um, I get why they're doing it, but I would just have made the decision to go QB2, pick, who, pick whoever you like, whether it's stick or Daniel, and just move forward. Um, you know, you're not going to be running any, you know, trick plays for Daniel or stick, right? Like this isn't a Taysom Hill kind of situation, like in New Orleans or something like that. Um, so, you know, the, the backup quarterback spot is just very questionable. I don't really trust Easton stick or Daniel at this point. I trust Daniel more to be QB two because of his relationship with the coaching staff. Um, but it seems like they're going to keep all three and like you and Tyler have said, it just seems like a waste to me when you could have a roster spot to a Braden Fahoko or somebody else um, instead of that, or keep a fourth running back, keep a fourth tight end, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I call complete BS. I do not think that Brandon Staley is that stupid and he would keep three quarterbacks. I have to believe that Brandon Staley would know better than to do that, especially considering the defensive issues with uh, injuries on the roster and the fact sure. that guys have just played better. I, I, I can't see especially because you can look if you have, let's say it's Easton stick is QB three and they cut him. You can protect him. If, and that, it's even that kind of feels like a waste, but you can do that and you can hold on to him. And that's, oops. Um, I just, I can't imagine that Staley's or Telesco are actually going to go out, look at their roster, look at how well everyone else has performed on the team and go, yeah, let's keep three quarterbacks. I just on the active roster. I just don't buy that. They're going to do that. I am not predicting that stick and I don't think stick will be the guy or I stick. I do think stick is the QB three and I'm, I'm not predicting stick to make the roster. I'm really not. I really don't buy this, you know, maybe in certain situations, if Herbert is banged up and maybe on some days they'll have, you know, um, stick activated just for that game, just in case for whatever reason, maybe chase Daniel you know, has his elbow issue again. I don't know. You know, maybe they'll activate stick on certain games, but I, I do not believe that they're going to keep three quarterbacks. I really don't. And if it was more of a certainty in Staley's answer, maybe. But to him, it was like, well, it's kind of a possibility or we're considering that or we could see a scenario or they do help us. But, you know, I don't think I really heard outright that they're going to keep three on the active roster. They're just looking to keep three. And, oh, whoa, what's the atom bomb? Sam Tevy? What happened to Sam Tevy? Oh, Sam Tevy is out for the season. Oh, well, that's not an atom bomb. I thought they traded it to the Chargers or something. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's bad for Sam Tevy, though. Um, that's bad. You know, that's that, that's you know, probably uh, that's probably a career ender, unfortunately, for Sam. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I don't buy it. I really don't. I, I think you can't you can't do that. You really can't. I will have serious questions if they keep three. I mean, look, but they've done it the last two years, though. So, like, you know, I, I see I totally see what you're saying and I totally agree with you. But like, sure. at right. this point, you know they've done it the last two years and I'm not going to be very different situations though than this one. Right. Sure. I mean, it it is, but like, you know, I, it it is a very different situation based on like, you know, what I just mentioned with, you know, rivers and Taylor and and how they did that. But 
I'm just not going to be surprised if they keep three at this point. Um, Definitely wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. And someone pointed out like it could be a a COVID thing too. Like they could be, you know, not wanting to have like a practice squad quarterback be the guy a week or something like that. But yeah, but isn't Herbert vaccinated? (sighs) So like, I mean, yeah, he can still get COVID, but you know, the protocols are different for him than if he was unvaccinated, you know? So like, he can come back. Like y- you could also use COVID as an argument to keep any roster position, right? Like, yeah. what, you know, what if, you know, the defensive line gets COVID and you need an extra guy there or something like that. So to me, yeah. um, especially because we know her publicly is vaccinated. I, I don't really see COVID as an argument to keeping all three personally, but yeah. And of course um, we'll have to keep an eye on Chase Daniels elbow. Yes. Uh, Brandon Staley did not seem to think that it was very serious um of course there were a couple people like oh he got hit in his funny bone it's like okay um but (laughs) i i don't think that's serious and for what it's worth i I thought stick showed some really good moments last night in terms Mm -hmm. of accuracy um for him like i'm not saying like he went out and had like a great game but i thought he had some some really nice passes um i still think my biggest not issue but i i think stick's biggest challenge at this point as a quarterback is that he doesn't really trust the pocket. He doesn't trust his uh, technique. He doesn't trust the offensive lineman. And there are times where he holds the ball too long in a dirty pocket. And there are times where he escapes too quickly out of a clean pocket. So mm-hmm. I, I think that really is the biggest thing. Again, that's not really like, I hate saying this because, you know, he just doesn't have enough reps. Like th- that's something that comes yeah. with reps and practice and he just hasn't had enough of it. So um, of course his athleticism was on display last night too. It had some really good moments, you know, extending the play. Um, unfortunately did not result in any points. Um, all right, guys, any other final thoughts here before we move on to our roster predictions? No, let's get into this. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Um, okay. So Tyler, I'm curious though, because you don't think that stick is going to make the roster. Um, I think Tyler, Alex and I will both have him making the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your thought process in like the last couple spots because you decided not to have stick on the roster? Yeah, I'm looking for a defensive player for sure. And it's tough depending on how injuries look right now, um, to gauge kind of like the DB spot. But to me, you know, could they roll into the season with four edge rushers? Sure. But to me, especially after the way he played last night, like how do you cut Emeka Egbule and, and keep stick? I just couldn't I couldn't do that. Um, you know, I agree he was hurt uh, the week two, I believe. But first game, he looked good. Pre, in the offseason, he looked good. Last night, he looked really good. I think he had the rep of the preseason. I think he took on two different blocks and then still found a way to get the run stop. It was an amazing rep. Um, so, you know, I'm keeping him on the roster, for example. And then I believe with the interior defensive lineman, I am keeping, let me pull it up. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Where is it? I'm only keeping five interior defensive linemen anyway. Um, so, okay. So if I were to keep, if I were to cut one of the running backs, I would have kept another interior defensive lineman. I only have a certain amount right now. So to me, because I don't have stick on the roster, I'm going with egg boule because I have to get him on the roster somehow. And I do think there's a roundabout way we can get different corners on the roster due to some COVID IR related things. Sure. Um, so that's iffy, but that kind of works itself out. So to me, the thought process really just came down to getting egg boule on the roster somehow. And I, I, again, I don't think Stick is going to make the roster. So I have Egbule making it, and he should. I think he played well enough. I think he's been maybe not as flashy as Rump, but he has had a lot of really good moments, and he's an important special teamer. And so I, I think he makes the roster. I think you kind of have to keep him on the roster. Yeah, we'll have to see how that one uh, pans out for sure. Alex, I know you said that Fahoko was kind of the, the casualty of keeping Stick, but who else was kind of in that range for you that you could have seen, you know, being that you know, last two or three spots. Uh, yeah, I think it's Agbele. I think it's Fahoko. I think it's, um, who am I forgetting the defensive tackles name? Uh, Merrill. Oh, Merrill, Merrill or Gaziano, right? One of those kind of guys. Um, really at the expense of those, um, you know, you could have kept any one, uh, but I think that's just the reality of keeping stick. Um, you know, and again, like my preference is not to keep stick. If I were Tom Telesco, I would be calling stick mm-hmm. today and telling him to stay in Seattle. Um, <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be my reaction uh, to this roster construction. But my based on the fact that I do think they actually will keep all three, um, it comes at the expense of those guys. Uh, so that's unfortunate, but is what it is. And I do think all those guys are sort of practice squad uh, candidates. Yeah, I would also say like Eamon Ogbong-Mamiga is in this conversation. So is someone like Akimon Hall. Um, you know, but we'll talk about more of those guys down the road. So Alex and I both have the three quarterbacks. Tyler has the two. Let's talk about the running backs. Um, my prediction is that they're going to carry three. Um, barring a, sh- a surprising Justin Jackson injured reserve designation. I think it's going to be uh, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, and Larry Roundtree. I just, after I had my doubts about Joshua Kelly heading into camp, and he has done nothing to, you know, kind of calm those concerns down. I don't think that he has played particularly well in any instance. And, you know, we heard that he was progressing as a pass protector, and then last night he gives up a defensive touchdown because he it doesn't understand what's going on or there's a miscommunication or what have you. Um, so I just have not seen enough of Joshua Kelly to have him on the roster. I know some people have pegged me as like a Joshua Kelly hater. I just don't think he's very good. Um, and, and it's plain and simple. You know, I look at like the difference between Larry Roundtree and him and Roundtree. He just has, you know, more production, more juice, more elusiveness and he's way better as a pass protector i was watching roundtree work last night and he was out there looking for work as a pass protector he was taking on blockers at the middle taking on blockers on the edge i just feel more comfortable in roundtree and i don't feel comfortable in joshua kelly 
So like I said, unless Justin Jackson is going on IR, I don't have a spot for Joshua Kelly. Interesting call. I'm actually keeping all four, but that's only because Justin Jackson is iffy. It's a kind of a weird one though. Like I'm waiting to see sure. what happens with him because if he goes on IR, then it's obvious answer. If he stays on the roster, but he's still hurt and could be out for two weeks, then I, I don't know. It's, it's a really weird situation, but yeah, Joshua Kelly, it's unfortunate. Unfortunately, he was statistically awful last season. And I know there were a lot yeah. of fans of his. He's a really nice guy. It seems. And people thought, okay, you know, we move away from Anthony Lynn and he's going to get better. The thing is, though, Anthony Lynn makes his running backs okay. Like they get. Yeah, that's the one Anthony thing Lynn. I'll never say bad right. about Anthony Lynn. <laughs> right. Like they did get better. Granted, the scheme or the offense might be off, but the running backs generally do pretty well under Anthony Lynn. So again, you see Joshua Kelly in the preseason now. And what happens? It's not very good. So, but it's tough because I need to go with what the coaches and the reps are telling me. And it kind of, I mean, okay, first off, Larry Roundtree has finally really started to cut into Joshua Kelly's touches, carries, snaps, and everything. Like, if yeah. he's not RB3, he is going to be RB3 very, very soon. He is just, like, peaking and getting past Kelly right now. Like, last night was a clear example of that. I don't recall seeing Roundtree play that early and that often in either of the other two preseason games or in practice. But still, Joshua Kelly is the first guy out there he is supposedly sort of their goal line back. He was their goal line back at the scrimmage. You know, he was, and unfortunately, the not public thing on TV was the scrimmage where Joshua Kelly probably had his best performance. So to me, you know, with what we're sort of hearing in practice and some good things, even though the preseason hasn't been kind to him, I do think the Chargers do view him as the RB3 sort of right now. And I don't like it. I think this is so stupid to keep four running backs. I hate it. Um, again, I've, I've wanted to cut a running back for the longest time. And originally it was Roundtree just based on the reps that he was getting. Now that Roundtree has taken some of those reps, you know, I'd like to cut Kelly, but I can't. So I'm keeping four, which again is a mistake in my opinion, but that's where I think they keep an unnecessary player, if you will, in Kelly versus stick. So again, awful. I feel awful about it, but I think that's where they're going. Yeah. I think, uh, Joshua Kelly and Easton stick are completely unnecessary, but they will keep both. Um, I do have them <laughs> keeping all four running backs between Eckler and Jackson. Um, Jackson obviously depends on what happens with his injured reserve designation. If there is one, um, I, I doesn't seem like he's going to go on injured reserve, but we won't know until after the 53 man roster is released because I don't, I believe they can't put him on IR until he actually makes the 53 man roster because yeah. that's what triggers short term IR where he yeah, can come they do back it now, after, then he's out for the season. Yeah which is what the Jags did with uh, Travis Etienne. So that's um, that's kind of the situation. So he, he will make the 53-man roster regardless, um, you know, of, of his injuries and stuff like that. You know, whether he's an injured reserve, we'll figure that out. Um, yeah. Potentially you bring in Bradwell in that situation. Potentially you, you know, figure out uh, maybe another position to add like a Fajoko or somebody like that um, in, in his absence and just roll with the three between Eckler, Kelly, and Roundtree. Um, but I do think they're keeping all four. Um, I think Roundtree and Kelly are kind of redundant in terms of the types of running backs they are. And I also think Roundtree has shown in the preseason and the offseason program that he's been better and can contribute effectively on special teams. Right. Like that, to, that to me is like the big difference between the two right now. Um, it's just that there's more utility in, in Larry Roundtree. And so 
I do think they'll keep all four. If it was up to me, I would cut Joshua Kelly, but I do think that uh, I, I would predict them to keep all fours of now. Yeah. So pointing out Roundtree was on the first team punt teams uh, coverage and returning, and he was also the kick returner. So he's active on special teams, and that is, is absolutely a feather in his cap. Uh, wanted to shout out uh, Bolt Brett here. Uh, we're up early because we all wake up early, and Alex is three hours ahead, so he's been ready for a while. <laughs> Um, Alex, but, quick question. Do you do believe if you had to pick three that Roundtree is the safer one right now? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think so. The the only thing that really gives me the hesitance to, if I had to cut one, is that I don't think Telesco is going to move on from a fourth uh, fourth round pick one year in. Like, yeah. I, I just don't see him doing that. Um, you know, so like if, if Telesco was to cut one, I think it would be Kelly, but it's just... You know, we've seen how long this Pipkins experiment has gone. We've seen how long the Kelly experiment, is, I think, is going to go on. Uh, plus, yeah. Justin Jackson not only is is injured, but is a free agent next year. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what makes me believe they will keep four. Um, again, if it was up to me, though, I would cut Josh Kelly. Yeah. And I know that everybody's kind of frustrated with Jackson's health. But if you listen to the coaching staff talk about him, they all still think that he mm-hmm. is pretty clearly the running back, too, on the team. So. Um, you know, unfortunately, we just have to see Roundtree or, or Kelly, if, if that's the case, really like outperform him throughout the season to kind of overtake that mantle. Um, but right now, it, it's Jackson's job to lose, and he hasn't lost it yet. So um, let's move on to Gabe Neighbors. I think all three of us have him making the roster, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So Gabe Neighbors. Um, but we can uh, talk about it. We can talk about it for sure. Uh, it's been interesting to see Steven Anderson get work at, at the fullback in his absence the last two weeks. I think Anderson mm-hmm. has done a very good job in that role, but I don't think I would trust him like full time to do that. Again, fullback's not really a player that plays like a ton of snaps, but if they wanted to cut game neighbors, like Steven Anderson is the answer. I think he's done a good, good enough job in that role to potentially merit that. But um, Brandon Staley said that neighbors is one of their best special teamers right now. And he mm-hmm. said that he had a phenomenal training camp. Uh, again, kind of the use of phenomenal, but you know, take that for what it is. But I, I don't think that they'll cut neighbors. I know that some people were kind of speculating about that. Um, I, I think neighbors is is a fine player. We wanted to see him improve as a blocker and as a special teamer, and it it sounds like he has done that. Um, so I, I think that neighbors is going to make the roster. Yeah, to no, me. I- Sorry, Alex, go for it. No, okay. No, I think I think neighbors is safe. Um, you know, that we saw early on in training camp they were using him in more pass sets and kind of more interesting formations. So, you know, obviously training camp is or what early training camp is anyway, right? Like that doesn't mean that's necessarily always going to be used in the regular season. But um, you know, in addition to being Justin Herbert's friend, I think they can find more interesting <laughs> ways to to use him on the roster than you know what they did last year. So um, I do have them keeping, you know, the four tight ends plus uh, neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I, I get the sort of argument. And listen, Anderson's played really well in that sort of role. And so, you know, I was I'm less likely to believe I don't know, I'm more likely to believe that they cut neighbors now than they would have beginning of the preseason because Anderson has actually played pretty well. Right. But I still think that. Anderson in that role is more of a wrinkle that they can use in their offense, whereas Neighbors sure. is the feature. Like that is the basis of their play action game, their run game, their outside zone. You know, I, I really do think that that Gabe Neighbors is 
the feature in that role. Whereas Anderson just provides a really cool wrinkle, something different, a different look. And he can do that as the neighbors goes out wide or something. So, you know, while I could see why people would think it was redundant, I think it's just, there's a nice little overlap there, but I don't think that one like plays so much in the other person's role. Like I think Anderson is clearly going to be the more inline tight end and Anderson's going to be more the fullback, but they can both kind of play each other's roles, just not full time. Yeah. And it, it's clear that whoever makes the roster in terms of tight ends and fullbacks, like they're all going to be moved around as, as Trevor just pointed out in the chat. Like Keenan said that neighbors has been catching in a lot of passes. Um, the first week that we were, you know, all at practice neighbors was lining up out, out wide in certain mm-hmm. sp- spots. So it seems like he's going to take a nice little leap forward, which is, is what the chargers needed. Um, Alex mentioned the four tight ends. I have the four tight ends making the roster too. Um, I know I was, pretty concerned about the blocking department of the tight end room, but it really seems like Anderson and Donald Parham have really taken some nice leaps forward in that regard. Parham's had some really good blocks setting the edge as well as in one-on-one pass protection. Uh, he did get beat last night. If I remember correctly, um, mm-hmm. McKitty is, is showing some flashes, but he's having some growing pains. And I think, you know, that's okay. You know, a lot of people have given him like an F grade for the preseason. I can't really agree with that. Um, you know, but it's a good thing that he's not going to have to be the guy in terms of blocking. Like they can mix it up if they want to, it can be Parham, it can be Anderson, it can be McKitty. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a good thing that they have the flexibility now to not rely so heavily on McKitty's blocking ability. I still think he's going to be able to carve out a role. I still think he's going to make the roster. Um, but it looks like they could potentially bring him on a little bit more slowly than, than we thought. I think not that they're misusing McKitty. I get why they'd use him as a blocking tight end, and he should. That should be obviously part of his role. I just see things either on, and it, it, it was clear to me when he ran, I think, a slant, and he shook Derwin James out of his shoes. And I'm thinking, oh, I did not see that coming. And there's a couple of times I see, like, in this scrimmage, they have a, a post route or a corner route dialed up for him deep, and Derwin James just happens to cover it. But they, like, I see that they want to get I I think it's there. I think he needs to be used more as a receiver, in my opinion. I, I get that he's going to develop and they want to bring him on slowly and there's guys in front of him. And it's fine if they want to use him as a blocker, but I think there's just something there and sure. it's a gut feeling. But I really think he's a better receiver than he's being shown to be so far. So we'll see. I, I I'm I'm really curious to see how he develops moving forward. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any possibility that Neighbors gets cut. I mean, I think they've always, you really said that it's going to be kind of a slow developmental process. Um, so that's just kind of what it's going to be. I don't like where they picked him in the draft, but I'm fine with the actual player that they received. Um, and so, you know, it's just going to be Cook, uh, Parham, Anderson, McKitty in some order. Obviously, once you get past Jared Cook, I don't think it really matters like what order you put the tight ends in really because they'll all be playing in certain roles um and you'll have uh, mckitty as the blocker so yeah i uh i think that's pretty clear that that's what it's going to be at this point so yeah i do have four tight ends and the one uh fullback in uh, neighbors yeah, and th- this team needed some development from donald parham and it looks like they are have been getting it mm-hmm. um, a lot of beat writers have dubbed him the most improved player in the camp and it seems like that is is certainly true um tyler how many receivers do you have making the roster and which ones do you have making it i have six making the roster and the wrong one is going to make it unfortunately (laughs) because more was was there for him and then he just couldn't get on the field and he's not valuable to them as a special teamer i guess 
Um, and then, of course, you know, Jareed's not going to make it. And then Austin Prohl gets cut. So I don't want to say unfortunately, but unfortunately, it's going to be KJ Hill because they've kind of just handed it to him and there's really nobody else. Yeah. You know, Bandy came on strong last night and that was great. You know, it was nice to see him get a little bit of action there. But KJ Hill's their guy. They're going to keep six. I don't like it, but that's the way it is. And of course, the other five are the five we all know. So yeah, KJ Hill keeping six. I don't like it, but they kind of have to because nobody really figured out the punt return job. And you know, here we go. I, I could see a sort of world where they make Guyton the punt returner. I just don't think they're going to do that. It's nice to have. And it's sure it's going to be an option, but it, I, I still think KJ Hill makes the roster. And it's not my favorite option. So just to point out on their depth chart right now, they actually do have KJ Hill listed as the number one punt returner, Jalen Guyton as the number two, and then for kick returner, Nasir Adderley listed as the first, and uh, Adderley is the second. Um, but yeah, I have the same six receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, Josh Palmer, <laughs> and uh, and we got KJ Hill. Um, you know, KJ Hill is not my favorite pick, but they need someone to play punt returner. And it seems like maybe that seemed like maybe that was going to be Austin Prohl at some point. Prohl got yeah. injured, had some kind of surgery. Um, and so now he's he's done here, unfortunately. Um, I don't uh, I don't love it, just like Tyler said. But, you know, the utility of keeping him, I think, over Jason Moore, over Joe Reed just makes sense. Unfortunately, Joe Reed, I mean, we can't really get an evaluation on him either. And he's gone because he's in a walking boot. Um, so yeah. that's kind of unfortunate because I wanted to see more from him this preseason and maybe some kind of competition between those, uh, Reed and Hill from last year, but, uh, those are going to be the six receivers. I think it's pretty clear. Yeah. I had to laugh because of Craig's comment. <laughs> He'll got naked pics of somebody. Um, well done, sir. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the same six. Uh, if it were me, I'm trading a fifth round pick right now to Miami for Jakeem Grant. And uh, rolling with him as wide yeah. receiver six and punt returner, but you know it, it just it's it's not that it sucks. It's just that Hill is like so man. Like I, I think if your goal <laughs> is to have a punt returner who likely is not going to muff any punts, like I think Hill can do that. But it's there's true. just no there's just no juice there. Like uh, so it's just kind of frustrating because even if like Desmond King, you know, for all his issues, like he was electric as a punt returner, and mm-hmm. You know, so it it just kind of sucks. But um, all right, let's talk about the offensive linemen. Um, I know that there was some confusion. Apparently, Joe Lombardi said in an interview with Matt Money Smith that they could keep seven or eight. Uh, That's not happening. Like uh, for all the issues of the backup offensive linemen, like you need bodies. Offensive linemen is is absolutely somewhere where you need bodies. So uh, I have nine making the roster. I personally am not. I do not have the strength to put Trey Pipkins in my predictions at this point. Uh, this is absolutely me willing something into existence or at least trying <laughs> to. Uh, so I have Ryan Hunter making the roster because I, I simply cannot put Trey Pipkins on my prediction. Uh, so, of course, I have Slater, Filer, Lindsley, Abuji, Bulaga, and then I have Hymas, Scott Questenberry, uh, Storm Norton, and Ryan Hunter as my nine. I appreciate your hustle, Stephen. Uh, your your services <laughs> to try to get Trey Pickens off this team will be uh, honored Thank for you. honored for decades to come. Um, but Trey Pickens <laughs> is making the team. Uh, I I don't like it. Um, but you know, so you're talking about the starting five. 
you know, uh, the starting five you just mentioned with Balaga and Ibushi, uh, Filer, Lindsley, Slater. Um, those guys are making the team. Norton is pretty much your primary swing tackle right now. Questenberry is your backup center. Filer is your, you know, uh, guard, all right? That's kind of going to be your swing interior lineman. Uh, and then so, you know, you really just have Pipkins at that point. Uh, there's There's no way... Unless you trade for somebody or sign somebody in free agency, I don't think Pipkins is going because he's really your ninth offensive lineman uh, at that point. He's really your, you know, you need two tackles and probably two guards uh, to be your kind of backups. And Pipkins is that, unfortunately. And again, this comes back to like, I don't think Tom Telesco is going to cut a guy he drafted in the third round. Like, I, I, you know, the same thing I've said really about Joshua Kelly. Um, I don't like them keeping Trey Pipkins. They're going to keep him. Somebody you guys are funny in the comment section right now. If Phil has naked pictures of somebody, Pipkins has that naked person kidnapped. <laughs> Jeez. Well done. Well done. Yeah, I have Pipkins making the roster, and I don't like. You feel I gross don't like about it. You know, I feel gross about it. This is the like I'd rather probably keep Easton stick. Like, but the, again, kind of going back to the Kelly thing, I just unfortunately have to go with what the reps are telling me. That is that like Hunter's not really getting the same amount of reps. So unfortunately, Pipkins is the guy that they think, or maybe they're just trying him out as much as possible. I don't know, but yeah, it's ugly. I hate it. Um, it's part of the reason this team will contend in the future as early as maybe next season, so they can get another really good draft. You know, with, with next year, have another high miss pick or whatever, take a tackle in the first round again. Fine, but. Yeah, it's it's just it is going to be what it is. And I think they're going to hold on to him. You know, Staley basically admitted very early in the preseason offseason that they like Pipkins is a good developmental backup. But like, uh, yeah. I don't like it. Obviously, they're not going to keep only seven linemen. That'd be ridiculous. I could see them keeping eight if they cut Pipkins. Fine. But I just they're going to keep him. If it's Hunter, cool. Um, if it's another offensive tackle on the market, awesome. Um, but I do think they'll keep nine guys, and it will be two backup tackles. And for right now, that is Pipkins. And, you know, that's not great. Yeah, it's not. Uh, Kevin Kernick, I don't know enough about those offensive linemen in Tennessee to really say. Um, but I will absolutely look at – well, not absolutely. I will try to look at them and give you an answer on Twitter at some point. Um, but yeah, I guess I could see them keeping eight. Like I, I know everybody's really upset about the offensive line death, but I feel really good about Brandon Hymas as an interior swing guy. And I feel pretty good about Scott Questenberry as a backup center. And I feel okay about storm Norton. Like obviously it's not ideal, but those three, like that's a significant upgrade over the past, like situations where Trent Scott was like the first lineman off the bench in most seasons. And, you know, last year, again, you know, was a lesser version of Trey Pipkins. And, and um, you, know, you had Tyree St. Louis, who is not even like in the lineup anymore because of Ryan Hunter. So uh, St. Louis, I had making the roster initially, um, uh, like before training camp, but he's he's been surpassed. So Ryan Hunter has passed him up um, and that's OK. Um, all right. Let's talk about the defensive tackles. Uh, I know Alex mentioned that he had Fahoko off. So. Alex, who do you have making the roster of the defensive tackles and how many do you have? 
Linval Joseph, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, uh, Cortez Broughton, and uh, Christian Covington. Those are my five. Obviously, if they cut a running back, if they cut a quarterback, you know, that can change and you can add uh, yeah. a Fajoko or uh, a Merrill in there if you want to. But right now it's five that because that's just what the roster calls for um, at this point. So um, I don't like it. I mean, I, I wish there were kind of better depth and you could, you know, cut a guy and put someone in there. But as far as the five they have now, I actually feel fairly confident in them. Uh, I like I like Joseph. I like uh, I, I like the starting three that they really have. Christian Covington, I think, is going to be a good rotator in there. Yeah. Uh, and Cortez Browden has come on hot. Like I, I loved how he's played this preseason. And, you know, he to me in, in that kind of competition between him and Fajoko and all those other guys, like he's the one that showed the most pop to me, especially in the San Francisco game. Uh, a little bit in the Rams game as well. So the, uh, he's my fifth uh, and kind of last one that I'm keeping. Obviously, I think they could keep six. And once we get to, you know, the latter parts of the defense, I think how many you're keeping, whether it's five linebackers or four, whether it's five tackles or six, like I think that's the most uh, volatile prediction at the moment. But sure. for now, I do have those uh, five defensive linemen. Yeah, I have the same five. Um, I think Browden has has kind of taken that step up above, you know, a Fajoko mm-hmm. or a Forrest Merrill. I think he just offers a little bit more juice as a pass rusher. Um, and Christian Covington, while Brandon Staley said he's not exclusively a nose tackle, uh, like Linvad Joseph, like a Fajoko, I think Covington can do that. They've used him in that role, um, at least sparingly in the first Rams game. Um, so I, I think Brown has has really kind of elevated his play this year. Um, I'm excited to see how that pans out for throughout the season. Um, but really, like, I would love to keep Brain Fajoko. Like, I think he's been very impressive against the run. I think he's made some fantastic plays. You know, I tweeted a clip out from the 49ers game where him and Kyler Fackrell both, you know, they shoot through this gap and they both are, are right there for a tackle for loss. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the picture of Fajoko's preseason. Like, he's had a few tackles for loss. He's had a couple pressures. He has had a really good preseason. Um, and I, I would love to find a spot for him. I just, I, with the three quarterbacks, I, I just, I don't know how I can get there, but yeah, um, it's a tough situation, but I'm really excited about the five that I do have making the roster. Yep. I have the exact same five and the same wish to have Fahoka make the roster. He deserves it. And I would like them to keep a true sort of nose tackle behind Joseph, but this is just the way the roster is going to be constructed. So, yeah, I have the same five as you guys, and that's it. Yeah. Um, so, hopefully, you know, Fajoko and Forrest Merrill can stick around on the practice squad, which we will uh, cover yeah. on Tuesday after the roster cuts. Um, let's move on to the edge rushers. I, I wish I could find a spot for MK Egbele as well, like Tyler has found. Um, but I have the four edge rushers making the roster. Of course, Joey Bosa, Chenin Wosu, Kyler Fackrell, and Chris Rumpf. I feel pretty good about that group, much better than I did, you know, a few weeks ago. Kyler Fackrell has really come on. Chris mm-hmm. Rump has come on. Um, so it's going to be kind of an edge rusher two by committee with the the other three. I think all three will play. I think all three will have significant roles this year. Um, and as long as Joey Bosa is rolling, like, I feel good about it. But uh, Bosa's got to stay healthy. But those are the four that I have as the edge rushers. Yeah, I have the same four. Uh, really, it's you know going to be Bosa, Fackrell, Nwosu, Rump. Uh, I don't think there's a huge distinction to make in terms of like, I mean, Fackrell is probably going to be the starter uh, alongside Bosa, but Nwosu is going to play a lot and Rump will rotate in. 
Um, Egbelay is, again, one of those guys that I wish I could put in, but just based on how they're constructing the offense, it leaves a little less room for the defense. So he's unfortunately one of the guys that has to go by the wayside. Uh, I hope that, you know, I can keep him on the practice squad if, you know, I'm Tom Telesco in that kind of situation. But it uh, it is what it is. So uh, I do have those four edge rushers making it like Steven. Yeah. Well, um, I like you, MK, so you can stick around on my roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I do want to keep Jesse Lemonier on the practice squad. I think he's flashed some, some really good signs this year. I, I do think he's kind of a year away from challenging for a spot. Uh, but I do want to keep him on the practice squad. Um, guys, I see the questions about the kickers. We will definitely talk about the kicking situation uh, down the road uh, once we get to that. So let's talk about the inside linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler, which inside linebackers do you have uh, making the roster? And, of course, how many? Yeah, so I have the obvious ones, Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray, and Kaiser White making it. I obviously have Nick Neiman making it. And this is where I lost Ogbong Bamiga, unfortunately. This is the casualty of keeping four running backs because I believe linebacker is the first position that will get hit. You know, I, I do think Neiman has shown enough. Absolutely. And I think he's one of, been one of the team's best preseason players. Yeah. And unfortunately, it comes down to, you know, the reason that I kept him off the roster in the first spot. And that's that Ogbong Bamiga is a linebacker and they're going to need to keep more DBs because of the Smith situation or maybe more running backs because of Justin Jackson's health. And I just don't sure. see a world. I mean, other than special teams, of course, um, I just don't see Ogbong Bamiga playing as much as, say, like an Emeka Egbele. I think Egbele could have a couple spots here and there as a pass rusher. I don't really see Ogbong Bamiga really even hitting the field on defense. Um, so it's really close, and I'd love to keep him. But, you know, I mean, also Egbele is healthy, apparently. Ogbong Bamiga, according to Popper, would be healthy come week one but again that's we don't really know right now um so as of the as of right now i just have the four main linebackers making it yeah um i have the same four uh agbang is one of those guys i kind of struggled with but has the ac joint sprain didn't play in the seattle game um i i think you know again this is one of those like tyler said in a world where maybe they cut one of the running backs they call one of the quarterbacks you can put Agbong Bamiga, I think, in that roster. And the coaching staff has always talked pretty highly about him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I certainly want to keep him on the practice squad if he's not making the active roster. Uh, someone, someone pointed out that he is drafted by the CFL, but I think he'll take an <laughs> NFL practice squad over the CFL yeah. uh, if it comes to that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that'll be interesting to watch uh, as far as it goes. But, yeah, um, I'd like to keep Ogbon Bumiga if he is uh, healthy, but uh, I just don't have enough space for it based on the fact that Staley has kind of prioritized uh, really the secondary and the kind of edge rushers. Um, You know, the Mm -hmm. linebackers were always a little bit, mm, not less important, but I think that bodies in the secondaries is more important to this defense. I hear what you guys are saying, man, but I I have Ogbon Bumiga making the roster. I... I understand the health concerns and that certainly makes it tougher. Um, But I just look at like all these players in this kind of cluster and like who has generated the most buzz. It's been Ogbog Lamiga. You know, he's, he's been, you know, he ran with the starting group at the scrimmage once uh, Kenneth Murray was out, you know, Joey Bosa said that he's had a great camp. Brandon Staley's had said that he's been a great communicator and great on special teams. So I understand the concerns, and and this is probably one that I'll, I I could get wrong for sure. But if I'm picking like all these players, 
you know, in this same kind of cluster, like I'm going to pick the one that I've heard the most buzz about, and that's been Ogbong Bamiga. I think that he, you know, has some Denzel Perryman in him as a run defender, definitely needs to grow some as a, uh, as a coverage man. But if, if you're looking for like the Kenneth Murray backup, like I think that's, I think that's Ogbong Bamiga. And so I, I totally understand it. He, this is definitely like the last spot between, you know, like him, Joshua Kelly, Braden Foco, MK Egbele is definitely tough, but I just have to go by the buzz, in my opinion. And that's that's why I have Ogbong Bamiga making the roster. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I think if he were healthy, I think I would have switched him off for Egbele. Or not healthy, but if he had played all these games and sure. worked the last couple of weeks, sure. But yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just positional value for me, and I think they're going to go edge rusher. But again, I, if they keep on Bung Bamiga and, and uh, cut Kelly, cool. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yes, I said a Raiders name. I'm sorry, guys. I, I still love Denzel Perryman. It's going to suck to watch him on the Raiders this year, but it is what it is. Um, all right, let's talk about the defensive backs. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw them all into one category because it seems that's kind of how like they're being used. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have 10 defensive backs making the roster. Uh, of course, you have Derwin James and Nasir Adderley and then Asante Samuel Jr., Chris Harris, Michael Davis. I still have Brandon Face on making the roster. Um, let me make sure I have this list correct. Okay, so um, – and then I have Alohi Gilman, Mark Webb, and then Tavon Campbell. And then the last one is an interesting situation. Um, I have Ryan Smith making the roster on Tuesday, but then I think they're going to put him on injured reserve. Um, and then once they do that, I think that – Kimon Hall will take his place. Um, of course, it is a dicey situation because they're going to have to cut Kimon Hall like most likely and risk him signing somewhere else. Um, but that is the situation. You know, I, I think they need Ryan Smith's skill set on special teams. So it, they cannot put him on injury reserve until after the roster cuts. So he'll he'll make it, but then not make it. And then I, I think Kimon Hall has done enough as somebody who plays inside-outside. He's a special teams guy. Jerry Smithson loves him. So I think Ryan Smith is essentially replaced by Kimon Hall uh, after roster cuts take place. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see also if he's off the COVID list by then because I don't think they yeah. can put him on the active roster until he's off the COVID list, which requires right. those days of negative tests. So we'll have to watch right. that as well. So it could be a situation where Kimon Hall is actually – on first and then they swap him out for Ryan Smith at some point um, or another roster spot entirely. Um, But yeah, no, I I have the same six guys pretty much. Uh, You have your starters in Davis, Samuel and Harris. Then you have kind of the face on and Tavon Campbell kind of being your rotational players. And then uh, in in your one more, I think that's come on hall or uh, Ryan Smith when he eventually does come back because uh, you know, his special teams role and the fact that he's going to play that nobody else is going to really be the gunner on this team. I mean, maybe somebody will be it in his absence. Um, we haven't really received much on his injury. If he still has one, it seems like that's yeah. a bit ambiguous. So like, I, I have no right. idea if, you know, this time on the COVID list was enough time for him to get uh, healthy physically, but it is going to be those six guys, in my opinion. I do think Staley K- uh, keeps six DBs. And they'll figure it out exactly what's going to happen with uh, Kamon Hall. Jo- John Brandon is a guy that you, they could probably also put in for Kamon Hall if they wanted to know he was one of Steven's favorites. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw I wouldn't be surprised if they went that way either. 
Um, but in general, I think the six will be the three starters, uh, Campbell face on, and then they'll move around Hall and uh, Hall and Ryan Smith, depending on what happens. Yep, I completely agree with you guys. I have the exact same 10 total guys. I didn't realize this until checking last night. And then again, this morning when they updated the stats, but Campbell and Hall have really outsnapped Brandon at this point. Yeah. Uh, in terms of pass coverage snaps, True. Campbell has 80, Hall has 65, and Brandon just has 38, which I don't think he played much, if at all, last night. I, Brandon didn't see him. Last night, yeah. I don't think he was even on the field. So um, if I had to pick, and let's say Smith is making, let's say he makes the initial roster, if I had to pick between which corner I would take after that, I would still go with Campbell. Um, I like Hall a lot. I'd love to keep him, but A, Campbell's played the most snaps. B, Campbell playing some inside last season, but then more outside this preseason, whereas Hall has only had one rep so far in the preseason on the outside. I also think at the end of the day, Campbell is just more athletic. He has those athletic traits that really no one behind Michael Davis has in the in the corner room particularly with the 40 time where they almost have the exact same 40 time. So I think yeah. that's something they'd want to develop. Clearly look at the guys like Chris Rump, Nick Neiman. They want to find guys with some traits, you know, on defense that they can develop. And Campbell is one of those guys. So you know, I think he can give you slot stuff or outside stuff in a pinch. He's very athletic and they've spoken highly of him and he's played the most snaps. So I think if you're picking anybody between Campbell and Hall, it's Campbell. If Smith goes on IR, then I think Hall comes in, even though that's not a direct replacement. Um, so that but I would go with that, but Brandon I think is unfortunately practice yeah. squad practice squad destined, which you know is fine. It's totally fine. I, I think they'll keep some good corners as is, and Brandon is just not going to make it. Yeah, I'm seeing some Brandon face on stuff. I, I disagree with you guys. Like I, I know he had a tough night last night, but I mean he was at one point a starter. Like he's going to make the roster. Um, but the, the starting trio is Michael Davis, Chris Harris, and Asante Samuel Jr. So. Those three are going to play the most. I think Faison will play and have a role. But in, in terms of, like, roster construction, it kind of seems like they prefer to have, like, one stereotypical outside guy and then two corners who can do inside and outside, right? Because you have Asante Samuel Jr. and Chris Harris who can do both. Then Michael Davis is your outside guy. And then in the second unit, Brandon Faison is your outside guy. And then you have Campbell and Hall who could do inside-outside kind of thing. So that kind of yeah. seems like their preference right now. Um, and then Alex, you have the four safeties making the roster, right? You don't have Ben DeLuca making it. No, I don't. I don't have Tyler's uh, Tyler's hero, Ben DeLuca. <laughs> he did make some okay plays last night. He played well last night. You know, yeah. Credit, yeah. credit, credit, to, credit to him. Uh, so, you know, maybe he's a practice squad kind of guy who can, you know, make his way onto there. I feel like we're saying that about every guy that gets cut and not all of them are going to make the practice squad. Um, but you know, uh, it's the, it's the four, it's Derwin, it's Nasir Adderley who just came off the COVID list. So he will be on the 53 man roster. Uh, and you will have, uh, Mark Webb and Alohi Gilman, um, you know, just based on how much they have to play. So, uh, yeah, those four make sense. Yeah. I think Gilman and Webb have, have shown some good things. I, I think Gilman has been a little bit better than I thought he would be this year. He's definitely improved some, mm-hmm. uh, he feels more comfortable in this defense. It seems like too. So. Um, I think Gilman has played really well. And Ben DeLuca, had, like, he had a one run stop at the goal line last mm-hmm. night. Like, I was like, okay, like, I, I can see, like, this guy working out. He's had some, a couple tough penalties, a couple tough pass coverage situations, but, you know, he showed some good things. Um, all right, let's wrap this up with a specialist, everybody's favorite uh, conversation <laughs> here. Saved uh, it right for the end. <laughs> it's just a it's just a natural ending point right in, in roster sure action. everyone's gonna log off it's fine i know <laughs> um 
But yeah, so I, I have Viscaino winning the kicking battle. I do not feel great about it. Um, I don't really have a preference at this point in, in either one. I don't feel comfortable with Badgley or Viscaino. Um, and then I have Ty Long making it. And then I have Matt Overton, uh, the 36-year-old former pro bowler who's like was retired and now back. And <laughs> um, Side note, I hate that he's wearing Melvin Ingram's number, 54. I know that Ingram's not like a retired number kind of player, but it just like yeah. I, I don't like that. So um, I've said this on Twitter. If it were me, I'm cutting both kickers and sign, signing Joey Sly like immediately. Yeah. Um, I understand that like Sly's not necessarily like he's not, you know, a Justin Tucker kind of kicker. But I mean, to me, he feels like he's like the perfect Darius Swinton reclamation project. He had a 90% touchback rate which we know that the coaching staff really values. And I think, you know, he was one for six from 50 plus last year, but he was like eight of 10 or something like that as a rookie. So to me, like, that's the move. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be Viscano because it's another one of those situations where the battle hasn't necessarily been won. It's just kind of by default. And because Viscano can actually kick off, he's going to win. Yeah, I mean, I think that Viscaino going first last night was sort of symbolic of where the coaching staff sees him, similar to Daniel going before stick. Um, you know, he did miss that 47-yard field goal, but then again, we didn't get to see Badgley kick. It's not like he missed it by a lot. It was sort of just a wide right shot. Um, you know, I, I think Viscaino had the chance to slam the door shut on Badgley, and, you know, then he has the three-for-six practice against the Niners, and, you know, then, of course, he misses last night, and Badgley hit the 50-yarder last week, so... It wouldn't shock me at all if they went with Michael Badgley. But again, um, we talked about that Darius Swinton quote from much earlier in the you know offseason where he did pretty much state that, you know, the kicker will probably have to do kickoff duties. And Michael Badgley uh, is not uh, listed on the depth chart for kickoff duties. It is only uh, it's only Vizcaino and Ty Long. Uh, as far as yeah. kickoff duties at this point. So a lot of people were saying Badgley kicked off last night. Yes, he did. He's kicked off in the preseason. But if he does make the team, I do not actually think he will kick off. Um, yeah. I think it would still be Ty Long, right. uh, you know, in, in that kind of formula that we've done. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Ty Long. I agree with Matt Overton, you know, just based on Colmaz's hurt. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of the situation there. Um, like Steven said, I'd like to go after a Joey Sly or any of these kickers that get cut by a team. Look, you have an extra week of the pre, uh, you know, off season really here to see what you have. Uh, there's two weeks, right? So I, I don't think it's crazy to go bring in like a Joey Sly or somebody like that. Um, I just don't think they will at this point. I think they're just going to roll with, uh, roll with one of Badgley or Viscaino and then figure it out later. If you have to cut them a la Caleb Sturgis, a la Young Way Koo, a la really everybody in the past, uh, <laughs> then, you know, that, that, that'll be that. But I, I think they're going to go with uh, Viscaino uh, just because of his kickoff ability and the fact that throughout the preseason until that Niners practice, he was the more uh, consistent kicker, uh, really. And I mean, Tyler mm -hmm. Porcel went through all those, you know, Daniel Popper articles and calculated the field goal percentage. And, you know, I feel bad for him. Um, but, you know, it's been that kind of uh, been that kind of offseason uh, when it comes to the kicker battle. I'd like them to bring in a Joey Sly or somebody like that. But I do ultimately think at least for uh, the interim, it will be uh, this kind of. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, because the kickers didn't get a whole lot of action last night or really the previous week, 
that Staley just said, well, you know, we've got a lot of practice reps from these guys, and that's kind yeah. of what we're going to go off of. We'd like yeah. to see more game reps, but like it just didn't happen. So they're going to go off what happened in practice. And in practice, Vizcano was better. Vizcano, Vizcano. Jerry O'Connell tried to say his name 47 different times. This guy, you know. Halftime broadcast. And he couldn't come up with the same answer either time. So I don't know what to call him at this point. Um, I'll go Viz. with Vizcano because Big whatever. Viz. Yeah, Viz. Vision, whatever. And <laughs> at the end of the day, if this coaching staff is going to be more aggressive and they're going to go for it on fourth down more, then I want my kicker to be the guy to, who, who can hit the kicks and win the game in situations where we just can't go for it. The idiot kicks that are like 65 yards, 60 yards, whatever, like that you just shouldn't throw that Hail Mary because it's probably not going to be converted, but maybe your kick is a better shot of being converted. I'm going with the guy who can actually make that. Otherwise, if I'm at the 33 and it's, you know, fourth and three, I'm just going to go for it if I'm the staff that's supposedly going to be aggressive. I'm going to go for those touchdowns. Yeah. Who needs the guy who can kick it? I mean, you want, of course, you want a guy who can make it under 50. Sure. And that's sort of badly, but if his Kano is pretty close, then I'd rather take the guy who can kick it from further away to win the game. Otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going with this guy. No, I don't feel great about it, but I do think he right. is the guy. It was very close Him missing sucks. If he had made it last night, I don't, really don't think there'd be any doubt, but that one miss is obviously concerning. But if this coaching staff is going to be aggressive and they want to score more and they want to go for it on fourth down, and if this offense is going to be better and score more, which it should, then I'm going with this kind of, who can do the kickoffs to help off my special teams. And then at the end of the game, if I have to hit that Harrison Butker field goal to beat the Chargers, you know, but in this case, Vizcano kick the field goal to beat the Chiefs. Edsky did uh, put it in the chat, uh, Miss Kano. So that's what that's what he will be called if he does miss a kick against Washington or Dallas in those first two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we're rooting for whoever they choose, but we just—it's not a great situation. Please go sign Joey Sly. I'll, I'll root um, for you with my, you know, eyes just slightly open. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's each run down through our rosters really quickly. Um, Tyler, why don't you start us off? Run through your whole fifty-three really quick. Okay, so quarterback Justin Herbert and Chase Daniel. Running back is the big four. I'm cutting Darius Bradwell. Fullback, I'm keeping Gabe Neighbors. Wide receiver, I'm going with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, Tyron Johnson, and KJ Hill. At tight end, I'm keeping four with Jared Cook, Donald Parham, Dre McKitty, and Steven Anderson. At offensive line, I'm keeping Brian Balaga, Matt Filer, Corey Lindsley, Rashawn Slater, Ode Abushi, Scott Questenberry, Storm Norton, Brendan Hymas, and Trey Pipkins. At interior defensive line, I'm going Joseph Jones, Tillery, Covington, and Broughton. At edge, I'm going Bosa, Fackerel, Mosu, Rumpf, and Egbule. Linebacker, just four with Murray, White, Tranquil, and Neiman. At corner, Davis, Harris Jr., Sammy Jr., Faison, Smith with an asterisk there, uh, Tavon Campbell, and potentially Kimon Hall, depending on what happens. And then at safety, of course, James Adderley, Gilman, Webb. Uh, and then at kicker, Vizkaino, Punter, Ty Long, Long Snapper, Matt Overton, because that's what you guys said, and I'm going with it. <laughs> I think Cole Maza yeah. is still is hurt. Uh, I yeah, don't think we believe really received an update there. Uh, I don't all know. Right, Alex, run through did... your. Uh... Well, I was just going to ask regarding Matt Overton. Did he take all the long snapper snaps last night? Because yeah. he did versus San Francisco. So yeah, I I, I can't yeah. say I was like intently watching the long snapper snaps last night. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, probably he was the only one. <laughs> I know Maza did not play last night. I don't know if we've received like an update for his long term health. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but it, it, I. It's going to be over 10 at this point because he's the only one. Yeah. Um, so for my quarterbacks, I do have uh, Herbert Daniel Stick. 
for my running backs, I do have the four uh, making the roster in Eckler, Jackson, Kelly Roundtree. Um, and then wide receivers, I have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, uh, KJ Hill, and uh, Joshua Palmer. Obviously, tight ends, the four of them, uh, Steven Anderson, Donald Parham, you know, all the names you know at this point. I'm not going to keep repeating them because Tyler just ran all through them. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and then uh, neighbors at fullback, I think, is going to be there. Um, and then offensive linemen, I do think they end up keeping Trey Pipkins, which will, you know, infuriate the fan base on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not happy about it, but I do think they keep the nine offensive linemen, the five starters, plus Wessenberry plus Pipkins plus uh, Norton plus uh, Hymans. So I think that will be that. Uh, the edge, I think you're going to have Joey Bosa, Chris Rumpf, Lieutenant uh, Wosu, Kyler Fackrell. Uh, defensive line, same five that Tyler has. Uh, I think Broughton really earned that spot here in the preseason. Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, so then, yeah, going further, quarterbacks and linebackers, I think they keep six and four. I could see them keeping five and five. But for right now, my quarterbacks are uh, uh, Asante Samuel, Chris Harris, uh, Michael Davis, Tevon Campbell, Brandon Faison, uh, and then, you know, asterisk, depending on what happens on Ryan Smith, like we've said, uh, linebackers, I think they just keep the four, but I could see Ong Bong Bamiga, like Steven says. Uh, and then, yeah, so then we get to safeties, uh, Derwin James, uh, Asante, uh, sorry, not Derwin James, Asante Samuel, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, uh, Mark Webb and Alobi Gilman. And then I have the same, uh, special team specialist that Tyler, uh, said with this kind of winning over Badgley. I know people are mad about Pipkins. He's going to make the roster unless they do some outside trade. Uh, you yeah. know, people are going to say hell no to Pipkins in the chat. I don't like him either. You you know, me putting him on the roster. We all agree. Yeah. Yeah. Me putting him on the roster is certainly not a cosign. <laughs> as far as someone said, keeping Pipkins over St. Louis, uh, Louis, you're joking. St. Louis hasn't played. So they're going to go with yeah, Pipkins, he's... right? Like that's, that's just the unfortunate thing about it. Um, you know, so unless they trade for Andre Dillard from the Eagles, yeah, I'm getting a lot of hell no. I'm the heel of the show, whatever. I'll take the heat for it. Um, but Pipkins <laughs> on the roster. Any sense? Yeah, this none of us think that Pipkins should make the roster, you guys. It's just yeah. that we all think that he is. Um, you know, that's just kind of the situation. And Tyree St. Louis has like literally barely played. He's been with the third mm-hmm. team unit, he's been surpassed by Ryan Hunter. If they do not keep Pipkins, I think it's because they keep Ryan Hunter. Um, mm-hmm. all right, so really quickly, all through my three quarterbacks, just for chasing on Easton Stick. I have three running backs, I do not have Joshua Kelly making the roster, I have Eckler, Jackson, Roundtree. I have neighbors making the roster. I have four tight ends, Cook, Parham, Anderson, and McKitty. I have the six receivers, Keenan, Mike, Josh, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, and KJ Hill. I have nine offensive linemen. Again, this is just me kind of willing it into the universe with Ryan Hunter over <laughs> Trey Pipkins. But I do think that it's going to be Pipkins, unfortunately. Um, defensive tackles, I have the same five. Linbaugh, Jerry, Justin Jones, Christian Covington, and Cortez Brown. I have the four edge rushers, Joey, Mosu, Fackrell, and Rumpf. I have five linebackers. This is where I'm different than the other guys here with Kenneth Murray, Kaiser White, Drew Tranquil, Nick Neiman, and Eamon Ogbong-Vermiga. Um, and then I have 10 defensive backs, Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, Mark Webb, Alohi Gilman, Michael Davis, Chris Harris, Brandon Faison, Asante Samuel Jr., Tavon Campbell, and then an asterisk next to Ryan Smith, uh, who will be replaced by Kimon Hall, depending on how that works out. And then I have Ty Long, Tristan Viscano, and Matt Overton. Whew, there we go. So, yeah. Uh, 
Yay. Yeah, nine nine linemen is generally average for most teams. Um, there are some who keep eight. Uh, kind of depends on how good you feel about your depth. Like, I think the Saints have kind of kept eight for a while, but that's because they have generally really, really great depth at every single spot. Um, but, yeah, most teams keep nine. The Chargers did um, keep. Right. Uh, I was just gonna say the Chargers did keep ten last year, but that was because uh, Trey Turner was hurt and uh, Tyree St. Louis had to start the Bengals game uh, that we didn't know until like two minutes before. So you know that's uh, that's yeah. the only situation I could keep them seeing ten. But it seems like the offensive line is healthy. Yeah, which again is a huge victory. Really excited about the starting unit. Uh, I think everybody's gonna be having a different tune about the offensive line in a few weeks. Um, Tyler, any final thoughts here before we wrap up? Look, geez, I am so excited to watch Justin Herbert. As much as a downer of last night was, and it was a downer. That was that was a rough one. I truly, especially after watching that all in episode, and I know it's that stinking preseason hype that we all get, that Christmas joy in our <laughs> hearts, inevitably just we get coal in our stockings every year, except for Alex. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. I am excited for this season. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, forget it. I'm not going to make a Christmas joke. Um, forget it. You know, point is I'm excited for this season and I can't wait for it to happen. <laughs> Every time with the end of our shows, man. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I don't really care about Christmas. I celebrated once with an Italian family. It seems like a cool holiday. I don't know. There's a tree and presents, whatever. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I will have my, uh, selfish plug, but both the article going up later today with more detail on, uh, my 53 man roster predictions, 3000 words of garbage I wrote in three hours, uh, this morning. So you could check that out over on both beat. Uh, and so, you know, that will give you some more and uh, Steven will have his piece. Tyler will have his piece on the blog. Look at all three of us writing um but yeah so that'll be up later today if you want to check that out um but yeah that's all about i got to say and like tyler said excited for the season to finally start i wish it was next week but it's the week after but you know it is what it is oh man i'm so glad that the preseason is over like i I totally understand brandon staley's plan of resting everybody um but i'm ready to see some like starting players play and you know can't wait to see what kind of unfolds in Washington in two weeks from now, because I think that's such a fascinating matchup for the first game of the season mm-hmm. for the chargers who are in this kind of transition period. And um, I know a lot of people were like, they're poorly coached and all this stuff, but you know, we'll see once the actual product gets on the field in week one, it's going to be a huge test for everybody. And um, I firmly believe that this team is trending in the right direction. I don't necessarily think that they're going to be like a super bowl kind of team, but I do think they have a chance to, Uh, really contend for a a playoff spot. So really excited about everything like that. We are going to be live again on Tuesday evening after all the roster cuts happen. Uh, We'll go through everything and talk about some players that will be on the practice squad and react to that. Um, And then we've got some fun things planned for you guys for this kind of week off as well, you know, doing hopefully some other interviews and things like that, having some fun discussions. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun as always make sure and support our partners their Twitter handles are below. Of course, Manscaped, Blue Wire Podcast, uh, Buster Gambling, and of course, the Backroom Collection, which is a new one. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been great. It's been a great turnout. Uh, I hope all of you have had some coffee, get some juice flowing today. 
Uh, can't thank you guys enough for your support. None of this would be happening without you guys. So we thank you so much for that. And we'll see you guys next time. Smash that like button. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.